people welcome to another episode of ny giants rush where we talk about giants football for 52 weeks of the year yes we do and you know we're the podcast you love to hate we're here every monday eight o'clock tuning in and as promised i've got another great show for you guys uh we got paul Dettino in the house of course i got the truth i've got chris we're going to talk about pretty much everything because you guys have been cranking it up all week long on camp what happened to get the Panthers, uh, Waller, Jones, all a bunch of great things to talk about. So let's bring in the guys. And of course, we want to thank, um, of course, our sponsor, the Chuck app. So if you want all your sports in one area, Chuck app, download it right now. And by the way, the best part of the Chuck app, even though it aggregates all your sports in one area, is the daily trivia. If you want to play against me, it's called Chuckle. Sports trivia every single day. If you think you know more sports than me, which is possible, very possible that you do. 70s baseball and and 70s uh, basketball are not my forte. So outside of that, I can hang with, with, with most of you cats. So check out, download the Chuck app, aggregates all your sports in one area. I see you guys are piling in the room. So let's bring in the boys. There's Truth. Truth, how are you? How you doing? This is an exciting day, guys. I know it's an exciting day because you're talking to me. I know you can't control yourself, but that's okay. Paul's here and he's way more exciting than me. Let's let's bring in nails and his biceps. Chris, how are you? <laughs> hey, Craig. Hey, Mike. You, hey, you, you don't up, think guys? I'm going to let you go a week without a bicep, uh, Joe, do you? Terrible, terrible. Come on. I know. Let that I know. Go now. You know, he, I'm, never, I'm never letting it go. All right, the man of the hour. Let's bring in Paul. He's always good to us. Let's bring in Paul. Paul, how are you? Good to talk to you, fellas. It's been uh, quite a fun training camp. Yeah, of course it has. And, like, you know, we try to bring you on every couple months. We get better, you know, kind of a better idea what's really happening as we talked a little bit before the show. A lot of stuff out there that people have been chirping about all year, right? And and it turned out to be okay. The fans got stressed out. A lot of stuff out there that was being thrown around. So you've covered the team for a long year. Tell me you're not just a little bit excited about the regime and these young players. Well, Craig, I think to be fair, it's the best 90-man summer training camp roster the Giants have had since the 2011 Super Bowl season. Now, that does not mean they're going to the Super Bowl, and it certainly doesn't mean they're going to win it. Yep. But when I tell you that this is the most talent they've had on the field since then, it should give you a good indication that I believe the Giants will be right in the playoff hunt until the very last week of the regular season. Obviously, they play Philadelphia in two of the final three games. Yeah. We don't know how that will play out, 
whether the division title will still be up for grabs or whether they'll be trying to lock down a wild card spot. But it's very hard for me to believe that this Giants team will not be a strong playoff contender. No, that's and that's kind of what I was I was kind of leaning on. I hope that you would say because you've seen a lot of football. Like this regime feels different. These players are exciting. Here's the question I have for you. And, and Chris and I were talking about this earlier in the week. Um, you know, let's let's just let's just start off with the overarching Giants organization. What's different? Why why, why is it different? Because last year was the first year, right? You didn't know what right. to expect. Now we're in year two. What, what's making this regime and their and their mission, their goal, what's different? Well, I think when you look at how the Giants have improved from the 2022 season, the first thing you do is just look at the pure talent on the roster. They've got more explosiveness and speed on both sides of the ball. You also have that, that everlasting word that everybody talks about when you have the same coaching staff return, and that is comfort and familiarity and confidence in what you're doing because you no longer have to think about what you're doing. It becomes instinctive. And so all these guys who went to a playoff uh, uh, appearance last season are all talking about, well, you know what? We don't have to think about what we're doing anymore because Dable and Kafka and Martindale were all new last year. Now we already know what we're doing. Now we can spend more of our energy and our time concentrating on the opponent, which makes players play faster. So that basically is when you get down to the core of the apple, that's the biggest difference in this team. It is an improved roster with a team that should be more confident and more assertive. So I don't think there's much doubt, all things being equal, unless they get ravaged by terrible uh, injury bug stuff, oh. uh, this this is going to be a better team. It, no, it's yeah. going to it, it's a better team. So, yeah. you know, they won nine games last year. They have a tougher schedule this year. So they had to be a better team if they were going to win a nine again this year. Um, I'm not ready quite yet to put a win prediction out there, but I will tell you, it is a better it's going to be a better 53 than they had last season love it love it and there's two specific rooms that are that are causing a lot of buzz the receiver room and the defensive back room right because they've got better talent they've got bigger faster players right a lot of buzz like in in and and chris were we not having this conversation earlier in the week about like this receiver room is really deep and who they're going to keep right chris like it's yeah. gonna be hard for these guys i, to, I mean not only the receiver room but you look at multiple positions the depth you know it's so so many positions unlike past years they actually have depth and and, and i think we mentioned also craig and paul you could jump in um in past seasons we saw that 53 that was selected on on the last day of cuts and that 53 always tends to not be the 53 because the Giants seem to hit that waiver wire. And in the past, we've seen five or six guys now come onto the team over the waiver wire. But I got to say, this year, we might be only looking at one or two guys extending that 53, uh, you know, after next Tuesday. That just shows you that depth is there this year. Chris, there may be three, four, five, six players that the Giants wave that other teams are going to pick up this year. Oh, no That's doubt. how strong this team is. They've got no more doubt. than 53 guys capable of playing winning football in the National Football League. Okay? Well, That's just a fact. They've got too many guys now. 
And I haven't been able to say that for a very, very long time. And to be frank with you, you know, Craig, I think you're selling them short. I think the tight end room right now is causing a lot of buzz because of Darren oh. Waller. I think the yes. linebacker room is causing a lot of buzz because of Bobby Okereke. A hundred percent. And I didn't mean to sell them short. I'm thinking it as um, like we had, we knew, well, I shouldn't say we knew we had high expectations, right? That Waller was going to be great. We knew he'd been great in the past. We knew Okereke had been great in the past. This receiver room, this DB room, like we're pleasantly surprised on the play of some of these characters. Like, you know, and I was going to, I'm going to ask you and then, and then, and then Michael jump in. Um, just starting in that receiver room, like Paul, how many are they going to carry? I mean, there's going to be some hard cuts in that room. You know, like there's some really good, you know, players were just, we just didn't have that type of talent last year. How, how many can they carry? I've got them carrying six. Uh, I made my 53 after the Panthers game the other day. Ooh. And 40, 49 were easy. The last <laughs> four were very difficult. <laughs> okay. And and then I've got a bunch of guys that I want on my practice squad, and I just hope to hell that they clear waivers. <laughs> but but I, but I've got six on my 53 at wide receiver. Are now, you allowed Craig, to tell us who? I would say, I'm sorry? Are you allowed to tell us who? I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if we twist your I mean, arm a little bit. We'll have to think I mean, about my, that my 53, my 53 may not be Joe Shane's 53. You yeah, I got that. I got well, that. But, but we're know, friends. I, you can share. I don't, I don't play games. Like, the writers will play games, and they'll, yeah. and they'll try to predict what the team's going to do. But everybody who has half a brain knows that the writers can't predict what the Giants are going to do because nobody's in that front office. Not yeah. even the fly on the wall can tell you what Joe Shane's going to do. So what I do is I make my 53. And, and you know, I've got logical reasons for all my guys. My receivers are Hodgins, Slayton, Campbell, Hyatt, Shepard, and Beasley. Those are my six receivers. I got to tell you, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm feeling pretty good right now because that was my now, Rob, Rob, Robinson is PUP for me which means yeah. he's got to miss at least four games, yep. okay? And it really came down to the last spot for me came down to either Cole Beasley or Jamison Crowder. And, and I went with Beasley, and I hope that his, his aching leg is not serious because, okay. because Crowder deserves to play in this league, and I think he's probably going to get scapped up by somebody. If he doesn't, I certainly hope he's on practice squad. I certainly hope that Colin Johnson is on practice squad. I hope Ford Wheaton is on practice squad. You know, I hope Sills comes back to the practice squad also. I mean, they have so many receivers that are capable of making a 53-man roster. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Truth. Jump in. Well, I, I was thinking seven possibly, but six seems to be the common number they're going to keep. I sure hope uh, uh, Paul just uh, leaned about Johnson and Ford Wheaton. I, I I do not see them making getting to pass waivers and getting to the practice squad. I think someone's going to grab those two guys, big guys who have some speed and catch the football. I, I don't see those two guys making it. Well, here, here's what will give you some hope, okay? okay. Here's what will give you some hope. 
Colin Johnson uh, missed the game last week and missed a little bit of practice time because he's got a sore knee. So you could argue that he is somewhat nicked up and somewhat yeah. damaged. And so that may lead a team to shy away from him. Yeah, kind of like the, uh, the Victor remember, injury. You know, exactly, yeah. Right? You know, I mean, he doesn't have a very substantial resume. And so because he's nicked up, teams may shy away from him. I think he's a quality player, and I certainly don't want to lose him. Ford Wheaton had two opportunities to make plays in Detroit and failed on both. Yep. Okay? There were some inconsistencies in his hands at West Virginia. That was one of the reasons why he did not get drafted. Now, the other day, all right, yeah, he caught a ball or two, I believe, against Carolina, as I recall. Okay. But, but the truth of the matter is, as early in the uh, camp, uh, he looked really good, right? And all the writers were goo-goo and gaga all over him. Okay, that, that's wonderful. Okay, that's wonderful. But he gets into the preseason game in Detroit, and he did not make two plays that were very makeable. And that carries a lot of weight. Sure. And to the folks who did not draft him, okay, 32 teams that did not draft him, that's why they did not draft him. I think there's a chance he gets through. Okay. Uh, real quick, uh, in the NFL, can't they, and I think they have done this, they put somebody on, a, on an injury just so they don't have to put them through the waiver to get to the practice squad, do they do that? Like, they could they do that with Johnson? No, no. What, what, what? If a guy, you can't fake an injury. The guy has to be actually injured. Then you put him on the injured reserve list before the fifty-three, and he's out for the season. Now, some finagling you could do if you wanted to. Okay, let's say there's a guy who you want to put on the injured list. Okay, but but you don't want to lose him for the season. So what you do is you got to keep him on your 53. You got to cut somebody else. And then the next day after the 53 is announced, you then put one of that guy on the injured list and say, all right, he's out for four weeks on injured reserve. And then I will bring this other guy back. But you got to hope he doesn't get taken or doesn't yeah. sign anywhere. Now, I'll give you a great example. All right. Okay. There's a lot of finagling that can go on. And I'm not saying the Giants are going to do this. Okay, I'm not saying that. But let's say, for example, all right, the Giants decided that they were a little scared about somebody getting through or they were a little bit timid about somebody being on the 53. They could very easily, all right, go to somebody, a veteran, like a Cole Beasley, like a Sterling Shepard, and say, hey, you're a veteran. You don't have to clear waivers. You become a street-free agent when we cut you. They could go to a player like that and make a procedural move. That is, they could keep another guy on the roster, okay, that they need who may be dinged up. For example, someone like Ryder Anderson, who they like on the depth chart at the defensive line spot. Okay. But he's been dinged up the last couple of weeks, right, fellas? Yeah. So yeah. maybe they want to keep him, but they don't want to stick him on IR for the season and lose him. 
So what you do is you keep a Ryder Anderson on the team. You cut maybe a Cole Beasley or a Sterling Shepard with a wink, wink, and a handshake that says, stay by your phone because tomorrow morning we're going to put Ryder Anderson on injury reserve for four weeks and we're bringing you back on our active 53. That's the kind of shenanigans yeah. that, that teams can use to manipulate the roster. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. How many teams are uh, actually participate in that practice? A lot or a few? Any anybody who has circumstances that will allow them to do so would be an idiot not to do so. Yeah, yeah. Well, what what do you like about the room, Paul? Beside the speed, right? We all know there is an increased. I mean, we have not had one hour go by that someone has not written, written, spoke about, tweeted about how fast high it is. Outside the speed, what do you like about the additions of Campbell, Hyatt, Waller, Beasley? Like, is there a, there's got to be some kind of common denominator there besides speed? Two hands and route running. Okay. This room has increased its hands and route running quotient at least threefold. I'll give you an example, fellas. Over the last few years, I would go out to, to practice during the offseason, whether it be the mini camp or the spring passing drills or just the July training, August training camp. And you'd see maybe three or four drops a day. A day. Yeah. That's what it was like. Not anymore. I think in team drills since the spring started, this wide receiver tight ends room may have a total of 10 drops altogether. Yeah, that's how much better they are in terms of their hands and their route running is ridiculous. Campbell is outstanding. Hodges okay. is terrific. Uh, I can't say enough about what a surprise Hyatt has been with his route running. And Darren Waller, my God, this guy is a pro's pro. He's everything that they wanted Evan Ingram to be, but turned out not to be. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's um, it's interesting too because you know you could see the separation they got in the Panthers game. That wasn't by accident, right? That was just running really crisp routes, getting in and out of break. Yeah. And by the way, I don't want to denigrate Evan Ingram as a pro's pro because he was also. I don't want to say that Waller is and Ingram wasn't, but Ingram just didn't seem to have the consistency either with his hands or his ability to get free. Yep. Waller does that like on every play. I swear to you, if they wanted to, they wanted to, if they did, they could go eight plays, 80 yards, and every single play on the series could be a pass to Waller. My God, that would be absolutely insane if that actually happened. And if it does, we're going to have to remember, hey, Paul told us on Giants Rush that that was going to happen. <laughs> we were halfway there on Friday night. I mean, we were with Waller, we were halfway there. I, 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 Chris, you know what? I actually, and, and I know everyone uh, looks at the rule a little bit different. I thought it was a catch and a fumble. I, I thought he actually had possession of the ball. You know, I know like there's that little gray area. If he took a step or he didn't take a step. Football move. I know. Hold the ball area. through the completion of the play. It's, yeah. a, it's a rule that I have a lot of difficulty with, but it was yeah. incomplete. All right. So I'm not alone in the, in the, 
not liking the definition there. Well, there's, there are a lot of rules in the NFL that I'm not very fond of, but I can't fix the league by myself. No, no, you can't. No, you can't. And in fact, I'd be more than glad to help you, but I doubt you'd get any further with or without me. Um, <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, Chris, jump in. Yeah. You know, Paul, moving to uh, the defensive tackle position, you know, this Jordan Riley, who really jumped around with a few schools and ended up at Oregon, really was just an afterthought as, uh, you know, being picked up in the late rounds. But being a run stopper, and he's only 320, I would say only 325 pounds, where Snacks, uh, Damien Harrison, was about 340. Similar, you know, type, both run stoppers. I can't help, but he reminds me a little bit of a Damien Harrison because this guy's main focus is to hit the gaps and stop the run. And I, I feel like he's been such a surprise and going to be such a depth piece at that defensive tackle position. Are you old Making enough to remember Curtis McGriff? Yes, oh, yeah. absolutely. I had his football <laughs> yeah, yeah. card, matter, matter yeah, of fact. Guilty, guilty. <laughs> I'm just checking. Uh, you know, when Curtis McGriff came into the league, I, I recall he was originally a defensive tackle. Uh, and, and he was a big wide body who held the point of attack, was very physical, and, and helped gobble up the run. And, and that's what I see in Jordan Riley. Now, this is a guy who went to four different colleges during the course of his NCAA career. And it's clear to me, as I watch what's happened with him during this, this camp, is that he has taken to the Giants' coaches. They have found a way to teach him things and to bring out the best in him to where he he looks like I mean the way the way that he has played over the course of the last couple of weeks I don't want to say they didn't need to sign a Sean Robinson or Nacho because they had to get depth at the defensive tackle spot and those two veterans are really quality depth who they are thrilled that they've got but I will tell you they signed both of those guys because they really didn't know that they had anything behind them. They didn't know they were going to pick up a guy like Jordan Riley, who actually appears to be good enough that he could have been a second stringer if they hadn't gotten the other veterans who clearly are, are ahead of him on the depth chart. But I think I think you got a player here who has shown maturity and has shown coachability. And I can't say enough about this coaching staff because we've seen now over a full season and a training camp how this coaching staff seems to be able to get the best out of players. No matter what position we're talking about, this staff maximizes what those guys bring to the table. And, 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 and you can't say enough about, about Dable for being able to put these guys together. Yeah, like Coach Patterson, right, Paul? I mean, it seems like anybody he gets to work with plays above and beyond what you what you actually thought his capabilities might be when you get that low on the depth chart. I mean, he's done a great job with these guys on the lower end of the roster at the defensive line. It, it's a huge key, and that's why I tell people all the time, the coaching staff is so under the radar, but it's a very important component. And, and when you talk to people around the league, they will all tell you how much respect they have for each one of these guys, whether it's Coach Henderson or Coach Bischoff. We all know about the, you know, the the two coordinators, Martindale and and Kafka, and T-Mac has a lot of respect around the league. But the position coaches too have a tremendous amount of cachet uh, around the NFL, and it shows. I've got a question. I don't mean to digress a second, but I wanted to get this in before, and I forgot when we were talking a little bit about wide receivers. 
Paul, you have Beasley as your number six, right? And I've got him on my six, yes. I mean, we, we all kind of know what Beasley is, what kind of player he is. And again, he's a little bit on the older side. But, you know, I'm assuming he's got some some – Fairly fresh legs since he didn't since he didn't play a lot of ball last year. Like, right? Um, is this purely like Dable being like this guy knows me, I know him, he knows me, it's a good fit, or a bit, or was it more of a uh, insurance piece with uh, Robinson being on pup and having no idea that what Shepard would be? Because remember, he didn't he had to clear right. He had to he had to get help a uh, uh, clear uh, um, uh, you know his physical. So yeah. You know, so was Beasley originally like an insurance piece, and then they were like, "Whoa, he can still play," or did they know he could still play this whole time? I think it's both of those things, and a third factor to add on to it. If you want to be more explosive, and you want to be able to go downfield with the kind of targets that the Giants will put in the lineup, Beasley is the perfect guy who can work underneath. Because there's going to be a lot of traffic heading downfield. I mean, when you think about Waller and Hodgins and Slayton, Campbell can get downfield. Make no mistake about it, guys. Even though he's playing a lot of slot during this particular offseason, Campbell has speed too. And God knows Hyatt gets downfield. So they've got a bunch of guys who can stretch the field. Beasley is such a technician. He's, He's unstoppable when he works underneath. And when you give him that extra space, because the other guys are going to be attracting the other defenders 15, 20, 25 yards downfield, Beasley's going to have a field day. So I think that's the third reason that he's here. And is there any type of like, again, I'm just, I'm not trying to fish. It sounds like I'm fishing, but then what do you do when Robinson comes off pup? It's still okay to have three guys to do the same thing. There's, there's only so many balls to go around. Well, see, here's the thing that we don't know. Robinson, you know, had the knee surgery last December. I, I, I've always told people on, on Big Blue Kickoff and everywhere else that I've been, I've always said, listen, don't count on him or Shepard for week one of the regular season. You've got to be conservative here and suspect that both of those guys could be pumped. Well, somehow, Sterling Shepard, I don't know how he did it, but he was so far ahead of schedule And here he is now, even though they're pacing him, he's been able to do things in camp that show he can still play. God bless him for being able to do that. Okay? And 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 everybody in the building loves him. They all love him. And why not? Why not? It's really hard. And and Wandale is close. The Giants have said as much. He's close. But remember, if they keep him on pop, He's only he's got him his four weeks. Yeah. All right. Four weeks. That's the minimum on pop is four weeks. So by the time four weeks go by, who's to say? I don't want to jinx anybody, Craig, but who's to don't say, say that receivers are going to be healthy? Yeah. You don't know that. Don't yeah. So that'll work itself yeah. out. You know, now they could surprise me, and tomorrow they could activate Wandell Robinson off a of pop. They might do that. I don't know that they're going to do that, but supposedly he's getting close. If they do, it certainly creates another problem with the roster. There's no doubt. It's a good problem. Oh, it is. It is. Now, what I don't know is how sore is Beasley's leg? 
he wound up coming up with a sore leg the other day. And, and he's missed a couple of practices now. What I don't know is, because nobody's saying, how sore is that leg? Is that something that could potentially sidetrack his comeback? Mm -hmm. Or is it just he's been dehydrated, he's got some cramping, he's got a little strain, and it's like, you know what? Sit out a few days. We're going to want you on the 53 anyway. Just take it easy. You don't have anything to prove to us. I don't know what that is. I was – I was impressed watching, you know, during the Panthers game. Chris, I don't know if you picked up on it. Did you see Beasley sitting next to Jones? You know, looking uh, it, over. It, it was over tough because I was at the game in the lower bowl in the corner, but no, I, I didn't. Was Because I didn't. I didn't Beasley, go to the game. He coaches everybody yeah. up. We're hearing, yeah. He coaches everybody up. Dave was telling us the other day. Not only does he coach all the receivers up, you got to see Barkley going up to him asking him for advice. Yeah, awesome. this this yeah. guy this guy is incredibly valuable, and look, I watched him every day at practice. Okay, you can't cover inside inside of twelve yards. He can't be covered. He is so smart. He is so crafty. The way he sets defenders up, he cannot be covered. He will get two and a half to three yards of separation on a seven yard pass. Who does that in this league? Nobody. God knows. Well, well not many. Seven years, he destroyed the yeah. Giants. Yes. Oh, yeah, he did. He destroyed the Giants. I just was impressed. You know, he's in street clothes. He's sitting on the bench next to Jones, and they got the yeah. tablet out, you know, and they're looking at stuff. And I was like, look at Beasley. He's fitting right in like a coach. I know. I, know. I mean, I I find it hard to believe. I, I, I can't keep him off my 53. I, now, unless unless that leg is worse than we think, and there's something going on there that's going to sidetrack him. I have to put him on my 53. Okay. All right. Hey, Truth, jump in, because I because I want to because I know you you got some defense you probably want to talk about, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, watched the game like everybody else said. I was I was very impressed with a lot of guys who continue to shine. As you spoke about the uh, secondary, um, but I also like uh, the kid Beavers. Uh, he did a good job. Uh, on a few plays, I watched him, and I want to ask Paul what he thinks his role is going to be. Will he be strictly inside, or would you think Wink will move him around a little bit? Well, Beavers right now is behind McFadden on the depth chart to play next to Bobby Okereke. Um, you know, Wink told us that the other day, and it's apparent that they were trying to be very judicious in bringing Beavers back off of last year's injury. That was a very big deal. I mean, yeah. he had a great camp last year, yeah. and then he gets hurt in the preseason. And look, I thought he was the steal of the draft for the Giants last year. I really did. I, I thought he was going to start week one yeah. last season. Yes. I was convinced that he was going to be a starter week one. Yes. I was yeah. so happy to get him out of Cincinnati. And, yep. and then he got hurt, and that was the end of that. Um, so when he comes back this year – they're being very cautious and careful. They're trying to pace him a little bit. You know, they're not going all out. And McFadden showed a lot of mental improvement and also, again, more assertive, more confident, playing faster. So it just so happened that his year two improvement matched the timing of Beavers kind of being worked in slowly. So when they were given both guys reps – 
McFadden was making the most out of it, and he's moved ahead of Beavers on the depth chart. Uh, I don't know right now how long McFadden's going to be able to hold off that charge. I think at some point, at some point, Beavers is going to make a very strong run at taking that job back. I just don't know how many games it's going to be. Now, what I what I will tell you is this. Because of Bobby Okereke's versatility, and it boggled my mind. The writers were shocked a couple of weeks ago when they saw Okereke line up on the edge a couple of times. Well, if you know anything about this guy's career, when he was in Indianapolis, he played a full season as an outside linebacker. And then he also played a middle linebacker. So he has had that kind of versatility his entire career. And I was talking to Bobby when he got here. And I said, man, you're going to love Wake Martindale's system because yeah. I've dubbed it the kaleidoscope defense. <laughs> you never know what you're going to see. You never know what you're going to get. And it's going to look different every single time. I said, you're going to fit in great here because he's going to move you all around. I don't think they will they will use him as often or as in as many necessarily places as Micah Parsons does for the Cowboys. But I think you will see Okereke show his versatility, not to the degree of Parsons, because Parsons rushes an awful lot more than I think Okereke will. But mm -hmm. Okereke is going to be part-time rush linebacker, and he can blitz through any of the gaps. He can come off the edge, or he can go A, B, or C. He's that versatile. So with that versatility, it doesn't make sense to put Beavers into an outside role. It seems to me that if he does beat out McFadden at some point, he's going to be the stationary guy, and Okereke is going to be the guy who's moving around like a joker. You know, so it's that's pretty interesting because we, we interviewed McFadden like, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, and um, – you know, he had made mentioned like, you know, in college, he just basically hit the gaps. Like he right. was a bl blitzing downhill. Straight ahead, downhill yeah. back. Yeah. So like, if you think about it, and again, I, I'm just, I'm pontificating on, upon their, their, um, their athletic ability. If McFadden is a downhill two down linebacker, you know, a in the B gap. Right. And then Okereke can go from sideline to sideline. I mean, Beavers could also probably spell, outside off-ball linebacker, too, because he's good in space. So there probably could be a role for all three of them. I, I mean, at some point, I don't know if it's a clear-cut McFadden wins the job or, or or Beavers wins the job. I think they could probably, like you mentioned, all these different packages and sub-packages they have, I'd assume there might be even opportunity that all three of them are on the field at the same time. Well, Beavers is, is, is more of a thumper than I think the other two guys. If you just look at his frame, yeah, okay, he, he's, he's got some more so – he's a little huskier. He's got a little more thickness to him. Sure, you know, and height. He's more, he's more – yeah, he's sturdy, for lack of a better term. He's more sturdy than the other two guys. Now, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, Okereke doesn't pack a punch because he hits people, all right? He, Okereke, Okereke, in a lot of ways, reminds me of Antonio Pierce – but with super versatility and athleticism. Yep, that's a good. That's a that's a pretty nice compliment for Okereke. Well, he's very smart, and so is Pierce. He's shown leadership skills, and he's very vocal. Okay, 
and he's going to be the guy in the heart of the defense. So in some ways, he is like Pierce, and he's built the same way as Pierce too. Yeah. But, but he's got a lot more range and versatility than, than Pierce had. You know, you aren't you aren't going to do the kinds of things that you're going to do with Okereke. You wouldn't have even thought about doing that with Antonio Pierce. Yeah, and Paul. Look like the other night he was calling the defense um, the other night, wasn't he? With the yeah. uh, from the silence. So he's he looks like he might be the guy, not McKinney. It, 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 and and that's fine because that's yeah. the kind of guy he is. Right. No, I agree. That just goes to show his uh, leadership skills and knowing the defense and uh, getting everybody where they need to be. Yeah. Yeah, and Pierce. I was looking at Jay's comment that Pierce wasn't athletic, but he was brilliant. He he was a uh, student of the game. I can remember numerous occasions him calling out plays, you know, as he was lined up, you know, calling out screens before the play even started because how much of film work he had done, you know, all week long, sniffing out, you know, uh, uh, running back screens and center screens ahead of time. So it was always a pleasure to watch Pierce, but that came from hours and hours of, you know, studying the film. Like some, some, some guys don't love film work. Right. And it shows Pierce was always the guy to make sure he put in the extra work. So, I'm assuming no you know, Garrett could do that too. Again, it, just saying that he's got some of Pierce's traits is a tremendous compliment. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, well, let's shift to the to the DBs, Paul, because like, holy <laughs> smoke, did we not see any of this coming? Um, <laughs> you know. Um, all right, so we're, well, I wrote it down on here because I wanted to make sure I asked you, like, what you know, today. I think it was yeah today early this morning. Uh, Rodarius Williams got cut. So that, that, that definitely opens up maybe a little bit of room for somebody. Um, you know, who, who are you keeping? Who's playing what spot? Because you got Robinson playing slot now inside. Hawkins, which is an unbelievable find, right? Second player Whoa. ever drafted out of ODU. We already yep. had the first player drafted out of ODU with, with um, um, the X-Men. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I know he's still on the team. I don't know if he makes the team, but – Hawkins is a huge surprise, you know, flat, you know, uh, uh, been a little bit dinged up. Like where, where does the, where does this unit sit, Paul? Because it, it's kind of getting interesting because Chris and I spoke the other day, we all want McKinney on the team, but you've also got some safeties with belt and then Pinnock that if McKinney had to walk next year, it wouldn't be like you, you know, you didn't have some backups to take the spot. Yeah, I, I've got 11 defensive backs on my 53. Ooh, okay. There's a lot of talent back there. Wow. And here, here's here's the issue, okay? Here's where it gets sticky. Nick McLeod is probably the best gunner holding over from the 2022 team. Yeah. And the problem is he's hurt right now. And this is where it gets sticky because – McLeod showed that he could play a competent corner in this league. In the earlier in the offseason, they tried him at safety, and he looked like he had some versatility to do that as well. So you figure you got a guy who can play corner, he can also play safety, and we know that he's a good gunner on special teams. Yep. That's a guy you got to keep on your 53, right? You but would now he's so. hurt. Yeah. But he, now he's been hurt for the last two weeks. What do you do with him? I think, I think he's on my 53 because I can't, I can't ignore that value. He's too important. So, so I have McLeod making it 
as one of my 11. Um, the PUP list also includes Aaron Robinson, who I've always believed that he been, had he been able to come back from his knee injury sooner, he would have challenged for a starting job. I believe that. Okay. But that's not the case. In fact, he hasn't done anything except work with the trainers. Yeah. He's done some running on the side, but obviously he's going to wind up being PUP, which is all the better for the Giants because when he's eligible to come off PUP, they're going to have themselves a talented cornerback to add to their mix if they want to. Yep. So, you know, people should not forget about him. Aaron Robinson is a very talented boundary corner. People remember that when he got to the Giants, they were desperate for a slot, so they threw him in there. He does not belong in the slot. That's not his best position. He is a boundary corner. And, and when he comes back, that's what he will be. So he will just enhance the depth in case, for example, Banks or Hawkins have some rookie jitters and have some bumps in the road, and maybe they need to take a seat for a couple of games because, you know, they need to take a breath. Or if one of those guys gets dinged up, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not forgetting about Aaron Robinson, and I think people would be foolish to do so. Chris, now, you mentioned the, the, the safety spot. Just don't forget Javarius Owens, because he's also on my on my fifty three. Okay, I've, you're got, him, I've okay. got him as one of my eleven defensive backs. Chris, a special team play. I there's no question. Right now, he's going to have to help out on special teams because see, the Giants, in my opinion, right now have two things and only two things that concern me going into the Dallas game. Number one is that the starting offensive line, the starting five that I project, has not had a lot of time together to gel. But that's just the way it is in training camp, fellas, because yeah. they don't hit a lot and they don't have a lot of preseason snaps. Yep. So Kyle that's, the CBA. That's just what it is. Yep. Okay. We can't go back to the Parcells era. The, the NFL won't let us. We can't even go but, back to the Coughlin era. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So so that's an issue. Um, and, and there's nothing that's going to make me feel great about that until I see these guys play together opening night in Dallas. And by the way, Dan Quinn is going to throw the kitchen sink at them and test them early and often. Yep. So that's one thing that's kind of got me thinking well, in the back of my mind. The Chris second has thing. A, Chris has I'm a sorry? favorite, though. Chris has a – Chris, who's your guy? Yeah. No, I did in the beginning, but he hasn't done much. I thought with the signing, Paul, you know, Bobby McCain, I looked at his career in Washington, Miami. I thought he'd fit right in, um, but it looks like he could be the odd man out. Unless you're saying you're going to carry five um, safeties, or it does. It, are you saying that it, it comes down to Owens um, and, and McCain for that fourth spot? Because I got to think my 11 defensive backs are Hawkins, Pinnock, McKinney, Banks, Jackson. O-U-R-E-A, Belton, McLeod, Flott, and Owens, and McCain. So Those that's are my the, 11. Okay, so is that five? Five safeties, to, you know, on paper. Pinnock, McKinney, uh, Belton, no. Owens, and McCain. That's five. Okay, so we're going with five safeties. Okay. I didn't hear you mention so uh, Donna Holmes. I didn't hear you say his name, right? I don't have Holmes making the team. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. 
Yeah, he's a little grabby. Darnay Holmes has yep. been inconsistent. I went into training camp saying that nobody, nobody has seized the slot position away from him. He was the most accomplished slot that they had going into the training camp. And so far in this preseason, he's done nothing to solidify the spot. He's also making $3 million on the cap, and the Giants have only about $3.3 million of room right now. And no dead money. So, so Right. So, so given the economics, plus the fact that he has not overwhelmingly seized the job, that makes him the odd man out for me. So my corners are, are uh, Banks, Jackson, Hawkins, Oyuarie, uh, Flott. And remember, I'm looking at McLeod as a swing guy. Yeah. Okay. So that's how I get my 11. And, Paul, who do you like at that slot corner if Dory gets banged up and you're not going to switch, uh, you know, Darnie's on a team? Who do, you, who do you like next in line? Is, would that be on our way on that? Who, who would be next in line after no, Dory? Right, right, right now. The, the bad news is right now it may have to be flat. And okay. I like flat more as a On boundary corner than I do as a slot. It, so it that, is not his best yep. position. It is so just after not. Next, yeah, and after next Tuesday, I think that's a uh, – if you agree, that might be a spot for us all to watch as these other cuts are coming down, these 1,100 guys around the league. That could definitely be a spot there at that slot corner that the Giants possibly make make a pick up. Well, uh, the, the, the other guy who's got some experience is McCain. McCain has played some slot in his NFL career. Right. So he could he could potentially also be a backup there as well. Again, I think Flod's best position is boundary. But if they need him in slot, just like Aaron Robinson a couple of years ago, he played slot. He was out of yeah. position, but they needed him. Yeah, I agree with you. You gotta yeah. do what you gotta do. Right. I think I think a pass rusher possibly could be one in the waiver wire too. That's a good segue, Truth, because there's all these rumors that the Giants are looking at making a trade, Paul, with, again, just rumors, of course, but with Detroit for, for uh, you know, for a, for a pass rusher. Any any rumor, any truth to any of this that's going around that the Giants are looking at signing, uh, what do you call it's brother? Um, Aquara. Aquara. Aquara's brother. Romeo or Julian? Hey, Romeo. Yeah. I believe it was Julian, the linebacker. Ed, Ju- uh, Julian. Let, let, let me say this, all right? Uh, Brandon, Brandon Brown, the assistant GM who spoke to the media today, was very forthright. He said, look, we're doing due diligence on everybody. Right. We got a board just like a draft board that's set up in the Giants' war room. And I use that term loosely. I know a lot of people don't like to use it. So I'll just say in the Giants' personnel room. How about we go there? Sure. I want to be politically correct. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Um, so in the Giants' personnel room, they have a board set up much like the draft board, which includes bubble guys around the league. So it's about guys who either have the potential to be cut or possibly traded. And that board is constantly being looked at every single day, and their scouts are analyzing what these guys are doing during the preseason, who's getting reps, who's not getting reps, who's dinged up, who's not dinged up, what the financial status is, because there could be some cap cuts as part of these training camp releases, this is what they're doing. So if you're asking me, are the Giants interested or keeping their radar on for such a player? Of course. They know they're a good team, Craig. 
The yeah. Giants may be only a tweak or two away from being a bona fide deep playoff team. They would be foolish not to be uh, alert to their radar for a player or two. Like in 1990, okay, when they picked up Dave Dorson after the final cuts, yeah. they picked up uh, Johnny Cooks, you know, yep. Uh, yep. after the season started. These guys were important to that team winning a Super Bowl. When you're this good, when you're the New York football giants and you know you've got a playoff caliber roster, these little tweaks that we're talking about could be the difference between going an extra round or two in the playoffs. Yeah, there's always that one role guy that comes in and makes a big play somewhere, right? Absolutely. I mean, Dorson had that big play against the Colts and Jeff George, if you remember in the uh, RCA Dome that season. We we could go on the R.W. McCorders, the uh, Everson Walls. The, sure, you know, sure. Yeah. Those guys so, always come in. Right. So so here's the thing: Are the Giants interested in maybe picking up a piece or two? They'd be foolish not to. If 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 they think that they can get a piece that is going to ratchet up this roster another notch, do it. You know. I took this off of Twitter today, so I can't take any credit for this. This was Mason's tweet. And I didn't realize this, and it's the only thing that I'll bring up that's not positive today is Ojolari will be the only guy left, last man standing from the 2021 draft class. Did you Have you ever thought about that? Like, you know, we've had such good drafts over the years, but it just turned out, that 2001 class, Ojolari will be the last man standing. So I'm hoping Ojolari has a great year and he stays healthy because him and Tibbs together make a great a great duo. We need Ojolari yeah. to be healthy and stay on the field. Well, then, then I guess your your reader, your viewer, whatever he is, I guess he <laughs> believes that Gary Brightwell and Aaron Robinson are not going to be long for the team. Correct. I right. think well, you know, I think that's pretty foolish because both guys are very talented players. Again, Brightwell is another guy who right now has been sore yeah. and, and, and he's been nicked up, but he's another guy who plays special teams and who they really like on coverage units. He also can play power football. He's the biggest, bulkiest of the running backs in the room. So he can help. We saw what he did. If you remember last year in the four-minute offense against Green Bay, right? Remember what he did? Will they carry five backs, though? No, they'll carry four. I, I've got I, – well, I've, I don't know what they'll carry. I think they'll carry four. I've got four. I've got Barkley, Breida, Brightwell, and Gray. Okay. You know, but Gary Brightwell absolutely has talent to play in this league, and so does Aaron Robinson. So and, I would take the exception to your reader. And like, and like your point, uh, Paul, some of these guys are going to get snatched up, right? Because the roster is deep with talent. Some of these guys are going to be starting for another team in the next couple of weeks. It could very well happen to some of them, right? Because you can't no carry it, you can't take them all. There's no question. I mean, I, I'll give you an example of some guys who are not on my 53, but I know that they can play. Jamison Crowder can play in this league. We yep. mentioned him before. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Tommy Sweeney is an accomplished blocking tight end. Yep. Now, a lot of teams don't want a blocking tight end anymore. They want to play video game Xbox football. <laughs> but if you want a blocking tight end, Tommy Sweeney is a quality player. He can do that. Yes. Uh, I'll give you a couple more a couple more guys. Well, Darnay Holmes is going to be in this league. 
If yes. the Giants do cut him, he's going to get a job. You know, I mean, Devito. Uh, who else? Who else? De Devito. I, I've got I, Shane Lemieux. Shane Lemieux is healthy for a change. Shane Lemieux <laughs> can play. You better knock if on Shane wood, Lemieux Paul. gets cut. Now I would keep him on my fifty-three, but if he gets cut, he's going to get another job somewhere. Yeah, you know you they, better, they got guys. They got you better guys. knock on wood with Lemieux because. This is usually the week he gets hurt every year. You bet. You bet. You bet I, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. But yes, oh. they, the Giants have guys who can who, who are going to get cut. And again, I hope very much that they'll wind up on the practice squad. Paul, can but I backtrack with you? Before we 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 got we got a little off track. I wanted to mention to you the second thing that does concern oh. me going into Week One, and that is special teams. I've been saying on Big Blue Kickoff since February. When the Giants' free agent list came out, and it was obvious who they were going to bring back and who they weren't, if you looked at the top, like eight guys on the Giants' punt and kickoff return units, yeah, at least half of them were not going to be back this year, which meant they were going to have to rebuild their kick coverage units. And you guys understand this; I know you do. You can lose games if you don't cover kicks properly. It is a big deal. I would hate to see the Giants have a playoff caliber 22 on offense and defense and then wind up losing games because special teams did not do its job. And this isn't about T-Mac, Thomas McGahee, the special teams coordinator. He's well-respected around the league. I've known him a long time. He's one of the best in the business. He's been around here now for several coaches. Okay? This is not about him. This is about how much depth do you have that guys are also capable of becoming really good special teams guys. And as I sit here today, I can't tell you who the Giants special teams gurus are going to be. Who's going to be that Devin Thomas? Yeah. Who's going to be that Renee Thompson? That David Tyree? That yeah, Jaquan uh, Williams? Who's yeah. going to be that Keon Crossan? Yeah, Mark, Mark Herzlig. Oh, Mark Herzlig, yeah. Yeah, how about Zach Diassi? Yeah. Who's going to uh, see those guys? Chase Blackburn. Guys mm -hmm. Chase Got Blackburn. Who, if, I'll, I'll open the floor. You guys tell me. Who are the special teams gurus on this roster? Chris, you're you're the roster expert. Give well, me something. I, well, like Paul alluded to before, I think Gary Brightwell, I mean, in terms of his uh, – no, you know, kickoff returns, big deal. Kick in the end zone, but he's he's Cam Brown. Cam Brown, yeah. I mean, Cam Brown. I don't have Cam Brown on my fifty-three. Wow. So Gary Brightwell would be would be a guy that I'd want on that special teams unit. Yes, I agree. He's on my fifty-three, and that's one of the reasons why I I'm keeping Carter Coughlin because I think Carter Coughlin is going to have to be one of those special teams gurus. Is he special teams though? What's that? Is 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 Coughlin better than Cam Brown as a special team player? Carter Coughlin is much better in the standard defense. Yes, you just it's okay. I just, I'm so glad he said that because truth. Here's the difference: Carter Coughlin, you know, was a defense end in college, converted to inside linebacker uh -huh. and special teams in a pinch. The guy can play outside with his hand Correct. in the dirt, or he could play in a pinch now, and he could play inside and special teams. Cam Brown has shown no acumen to play in the defense and contribute where when you turn on the lights, Carter Coughlin will rush the quarterback 
He can back up Okereke, you know what I mean? Or you could, and again, in a pinch, if you ask him to put his hand in the dirt, he can, he can rush kind of like a Tollefson was, you know, from the outside. So Carter Coughlin, like Paul alluded to, and Chris and I were talking about this last week, he just has more versatility. You got to keep Carter Coughlin over Cam Brown. Okay. Yeah, just- but, but again, uh, you know, I, I, we look at a Brightwell who does does play coverage. We look at Coughlin who does do special teams coverage. But these guys do not measure up to the level of the fellas I just rattled off before. Yeah, and I would throw yeah. Jason Pinnock in there as well if he's not starting as a safety. Jason Pinnock. I, I, I think Pinnock is going to be a starting safety. Yeah. Therefore, you probably Looks- do not want him on special teams coverage. Right. Looks like he's, he's taking the right. job. He may wind up having to put Belton out there. Mm-hmm. I know from watching mm-hmm. the last couple of games, uh, Flott has been has been a guy who they've been putting out there. But, you know, he's not the biggest, bulkiest guy in the world. <laughs> yeah, the and, and while I love his speed and I love his length, you know, even for a small guy, he's got long arms. And he's certainly aggressive enough. He made a terrific shoestring tackle on kick coverage in Detroit two weeks ago. You may remember the play. Yeah. Yep. That's the kind of play you need, you see. But I don't know if he's going to be able to hold up over 17 games to be able to do that. You're yeah. asking a lot out of a guy like that. That's why McLeod, to me, McLeod is very important because I think he's been nicked up now. He might be. He might be the best coverage guy that they've got on this roster. Okay. And right now he's nicked up. And again, he's not David Tyree. He's not Renee Thompson. He's not Mike yeah. Thomas. He's, he's yeah. not those guys. He's just not. Yeah. What's a, a Pinnock, not to, not to digress, but uh, I think uh, Chris, you said Pinnock, uh, he yeah. got injured. Uh, is, I'm assuming he's, he's going to be okay. Yeah, we, we believe so. I mean, he didn't practice. Uh, he's got a, a sore leg. Uh, did not practice today. We don't think that's anything serious. But, you know, again, the Giants, uh, just like every other NFL team during training camp, they don't have to divulge very much in terms yeah. of injury reports. That Keep only it. happens once the regular season starts. Keep it close to the vest. Makes sense. Yeah. Go ahead, Truth. You want to jump in here? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I want Paul to finish with his um, 53 on the offensive line. I think that's uh, important to know who those – back-end guys are going to be. I think we all know who the starting five could be. Uh, I've got nine offensive linemen. Uh, Thomas, Bredesen, Schmidt, Skluinski, and Neal. I've got Pert, Izudu, McKeithen. And my last spot was really between Shane Lemieux and Tyree Phillips. Now, Phillips has been nicked up. Mm -hmm. Lemieux is healthy. Uh, I've always had a soft spot for Shane Lemieux. And so I decided that I would keep Lemieux. Now, that's going to leave me very thin at tackle. Yeah. yeah. The problem is Tyree Phillips is nicked up right now. So, I mean. No Jack Anderson. Well, does that mean you keep Corey Cunningham? Because right now he's the only guy who can play tackle. Didn't they bring another guy in who who played another Yeah, they brought in Davenport. But that, to me, I don't see that as a viable solution. Okay. Well, and, maybe, and you're, maybe you're that guy will Anderson. be on a waiver pickup. Uh, Anderson's not a tackle. No, no, no. I'm saying that maybe they'll get a tackle on, during the waiver when teams get cut. Well, Mike, here's what I would ask you. The Giants are very low on the waiver claim because they made the second round of the playoffs last year. Yeah, Do you honestly yeah. believe that there's going to be a decent left tackle getting to them on waivers? 
that's a very hard position to claim anybody, especially when you're going to be so low on the list. Chances are you're not going to find anybody who's who's better than the guys they have right now. No, that's possible. Yep. And is 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 Pew? I know Pew's been in the Pew. media recently looking for a job. Is that something that the Giants are potentially going to entertain? I I honestly don't know the answer to that. I mean, look, Justin Pugh to me was was a satisfactory tackle when he got here because he was always better suited to guard, but he handled the tackle spot as well as he could. Again, out of team need at this stage of his career, is he capable of giving you some snaps at tackle? I don't know the answer to that. He has gone through a litany of injuries during his time in the NFL. And in fact, that's one of the reasons the Giants didn't bring him back when he went free agent to Arizona, because he was looking for a, a bigger payday. And with the list of injuries that he had had, there was no guarantee how long he was going to last, how many games he would play, and at mm -hmm. what level would he play at. Yeah. So, you know, I'm inclined to think that's probably not a move that the Giants would make. But, again, what are your alternatives right now? Because Hurt is your only legit third tackle with Phillips mm -hmm. being Hurt. Cunningham, to me, is not, is not better than Pert. And, and I don't see Davenport as a viable solution. And we already know that Wyatt Davis is a very bad experiment at tackle. That did not work out well yeah. in Detroit at all. And I don't think we should ever see that again. <laughs> it wasn't his fault. <laughs> no, it was not. That's like the center fielder who comes in and pitches the ninth inning and gives up 10, 10 runs. I right. mean, yeah, but I think they may keep him and put on a practice squard, Davis. I can see that. Guard. He can, yeah, no, he's all right. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that would not shock me. Yeah. No, that would not yeah. shock me at all. Somebody's going to get cut. Yeah, it's okay. going to be guys, and someone's going to be disappointed. It's going to be a play you like, someone you never expected. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Well, if well, Phillips I gets healthy in the next in the next week, okay, if he gets healthy in the next week, Chances are he may he may beat out Lemieux because of his positional versatility at tackle. Because yeah, the Giants right. obviously are stronger at guard than they are at tackle in terms of the depth chart. Yeah, they are. Right. Hmm. Which is ironic because it's been, you know, nothing but shuffling cards between Azudu, Bredesen, uh, Glowinski, you know, uh, uh, Lemieux. It's been been nothing but shuffling cards there. Now we're talking about the depth at guard. It's pretty funny. Things come full well, circle. You know, look, th this offensive line, I don't have much doubt about the ability of the guys in the room. I think they're good enough to be at least a middle-of-the-pack offensive line, if not better. I really do believe that. But that's strictly a talent evaluation. That doesn't mean they're going to gel because they need to. You guys know that. If they don't gel, it won't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You need you the know, continuity. Uh, but, but I'm 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 optimistic because at least I know that the raw talent is upgraded from any of the recent offensive lines that they've had in the building. Yeah. Now you got to yeah. build the continuity. Correct. And you got to stay healthy. You know, yeah. Evan Neal missing a week and a half because of concussion protocol did not help. Uh, changing gears on you, Paul. I was asked today to ask you this, and I thought it was a, as a, 
was a pretty neat question. Uh, I think her her um, her handle was like uh, NYG Crush, and she wanted me to ask you about the turf. How is the new turf? Do they like it? Do you notice a difference? Um, anything spectacular about it? Because of course, when there's nothing to talk about in June, we all spend hours, you know, <laughs> talking about the turf because there's nothing to talk about, right? There's nothing to talk about. So right. that was a very, you know, a big move. So was wondering if uh what's your thought on the turf? This is this is what it's come to, right, fellas? Yes, yes. All exactly. right. Uh I'll give you my first hand account on it because I, you know, being on all the different fields around the league, I will tell you the turf is a bit softer and a bit spongier than the old turf that was in the stadium and in the field house. Okay. Um I don't know if that's because the pellets are fresh and they haven't been crushed down, but I suspect it's also because of the type of weave that the turf is. Now, the only guy that I talked to about it today was Sterling Shepard. Shep said turf is turf. He thinks it may be a little thicker. And by that, I know what he means. The blades, the blades of plastic grass seem to be a little thicker thicker than the blades and the other AstroTurf, and they also seem to be perhaps a little bit longer, a little plush, if you will. Okay. You know, if you want to talk about carpet, it's kind of like a little more plush. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, but he said, you know what? It's still turf. Turf is turf. And to him, it really doesn't make any difference. And this is a guy who obviously has been hurt on yeah. turf before, mm -hmm. and he's like, no, yeah. turf is turf. It doesn't make much difference. Yeah. So in answer well, to the question, I'm giving you the best firsthand account that I can give you because I've been on both surfaces. And that's coming from a lot from Shepard, who, like I said, got injured on the turf. So um, in a non-contact way. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to hear him. You know, he's not like, man, I'm so glad we changed the turf. I did hear Dable say it was better on his back. I think he did say uh, his back isn't as cranky on the new turf. I mean, fellas, I think if the players could vote, and I'm sure the Players Association has already taken a number of polls on this, they would all like to be on real grass. And I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, There are times when perusing the sideline during a game on artificial turf, sometimes my feet are a little sore or my back is a little bit sore occasionally. It happens. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Cool. All right, Chris, jump in. Uh, no, I was just going to say about the turf. I think one of the things with the synthetic grass they're talking about is that you get the release with that, that those pivots. You know, it seems like that other turf that they had and whatever company that was, you know, that made that type, your foot would get stuck a little bit. This one has a has supposed to have more of a release, something to do with the pellets, like you said. So it's going to be a little well, bit different. Chris, uh, in that if, if I could tell you what they say. All right. You guys were asking for an, an eyewitness uh, results account. I, again, I don't have much to yeah. add to it other than what I've experienced on my own. What they tell you is that this particular blend of turf has fewer seams in it. Okay. And that's that's technically the difference between the older turf and this newer turf. It has fewer seams. So in theory, in mm -hmm. theory, I put that in quotes, Yeah. you'll have less of a chance at getting a cleat stuck. Yeah. Because there were fewer I, yep. seams, and and the 
the uh, weave is a little bit more plush. Right. Makes sense. That's they brought the logo the back. That's the, <laughs> the theory. Yeah, and they brought the logo back on the 50 for the Giants and Jets, so that makes sense. There's no seam, I guess, near. They spray it on. I don't know, but the, yeah. uh, the logo just came back, which was very strange. Yeah, the, lo the logo is, is painted on with a removable paint right. that they use a special machine that they drive around like a Zamboni. But instead right. of uh, instead of resurfacing ice, it's got brushes on the bottom of it like a car wash. Wow. Oh, very and cool. It, brush, wow. it brushes off the logo, and then they paint the new one on. Nice. I love the way, by the way, they designed the new field and the new Looks insides. Great. Looks good. Looks great. Paul, when did they get away from turf shoes? There was no – there wasn't a lot of – there wasn't a lot of grabbing back in the day because they all wore turf shoes. They were above the, the seams. But then well, they because all, yeah, they, well, they, they used to wear the nubs is what you're talking about, Craig. Yeah, I, I wore nubs. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But what happened was as the old AstroTurf surfaces, which were almost like concrete. Yes, they okay, were. <laughs> as they were getting replaced, because that's where the people wore the nubs. Yep. As they started to progress and go to the field turf styles that were more mimicking of real grass, guys started to go to more of a cleat. Yeah. Because there was more to grab. There was there was supposedly better traction. Well, the problem is if your your footwear gets stuck, you now have the potential yep. for injury. Like I got a 15-year-old, you know, quarterback son, and we have this debate all the time. I'm like, I wore turf shoes. I wore nubs. You didn't really get caught in the seams, right? And, and you know, you see a lot of injuries. He's like, Dad, everybody wears cleats. It, you know, these synthetic grasses are are inch thick sometimes. There you you go. Better, yeah, you want better tractions. I'm like, yeah, I know. What the heck do I know? I'm old. What do I know? <laughs> hey, Craig, we played with leather helmets. I mean, let's not – <laughs> <let's not laughs> All right. Not that far. I had bars on my mask, all right? <laughs> All right, Truth, we're going to wrap it up and let Paul go. You got one more uh, Truth or not? No, I, I'm just I'm just really excited about this season. And I, I always look forward to these podcasts with Paul. So it's great insight he has. So I, I like what I've heard from him, and I'm looking forward to this year very much. Yeah, I always stop by to see Paul at least once or twice a year when he's broadcasting. He's always kind enough to come over and say hello. We chatted up a little bit. And he's usually right on. I got to tell you. Yeah, he is. He had, you know, those truth. Remember those eight balls you used to shake up, and it had the little, the little thing inside it. You know what I'm talking about? What was it called? Magic eight ball. The magic, Paul, eight ball. magic eight ball. Yeah, I think when Paul's doing the broadcast, you know, because they're doing the pregame up there in front of the, you know, I come in, I say hi, we chat a little bit. I go in the stadium. I don't like to bother him, but I'm telling you, I ask him one question, and he, he knows the answer like that. I'm telling you, behind the scenes, he's he's shaking the magic eight ball without a doubt. Um, well, Paul, I, one, of course, always a pleasure. I love the fact that, you know, you, you, we've become friends. You got, you're, you're great to us. Really appreciate it. Um, over, over, you know, arching your, you think the team will be ready with three preseason games? Cause that's the norm now. Like, are they, are they ready? Or is that first game of the year almost like preseason game number four? Craig, uh, you know, my answer to that is that September football is not great quality football. Yeah. I still I still believe that this system that's in place right now and it's part of the CBA, so it's not going to change. In fact, in my opinion, I don't think it's going to be surprising that within two years we're going to see 18 games and two preseason Ooh. games. Oh man! Oh, my God. 
and more joint practices. And yeah. and Chris, see, that's what's interesting about it now, because it was always my opinion, and and I've had enough of people tell me that that's probably what's going to happen, that you would wind up having two joint practices with two different teams, you know. But now, what have we seen in the last couple of weeks? We've seen teams bail out of their second day of joint oh. practices. Yeah. Just today, we had two different dual practices totally scrapped. Mm. Yep. Totally scrapped. Yeah. So I'm not sure now where this is going to go. You know, you've yeah. got these teams complaining about chippiness and and they can't control their own players because after all, these are supposed to be grown men, but they act like you know five-year-olds and they can't control themselves. So, you know, what what are we doing here? I, I yeah. look. Craig, the bottom line is September football is just not great football because these teams are not hardened. They're not they're not properly buttered. And and, you know, your, your answer actually has to be taken on a curve within context. Yes. Do I think the Giants will be as ready as any team in the league? Absolutely, they will. They've got a coaching staff that's going to make sure that they're going to be as ready as they can be. And there are a lot of other teams in this league that don't have the, the coaching staff that the Giants have. All right. This is one of the finest coaching staffs in the NFL. So will they be ready? They'll be ready. But will they be as ready as the Parcells and Coughlin teams were? No, they won't. Because yeah. they haven't had the ability to toughen themselves up for a month and a half. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, um, not to give a shameless plug for to, to Carl Banks's pod with him and Papa, but I, I did listen to it last week and, Carl was very eloquent in saying like, you know, that these players, you know, they're just so pampered and they just, they don't come in mentally tough. Like they're not ready to play football and there's just not enough game time ready players because they don't actually, you know, they don't hit, they don't run. They don't actually have that, that game readiness And September football isn't as great as it used to be because they're just not ready, ready from a standpoint of a, a system, right? The system says they're ready, but physically, Correct. physically, they're not ready Correct. to play. So, um, Look, Craig, think about this, right? Think about this. You always hear all football people tell you nothing equates to game speed, right? Yep. You hear that all the time. Game speed is the only thing that you can do to experience game speed. Nothing else you do will match that. So by definition... If you're only going to play your guys 10 snaps during the preseason, they have not acclimated themselves to game speed yet for the summer. They just haven't. It's impossible yeah. to do. And then on top of that, you will always hear when players hold out, you will hear everybody talk about it. Oh, he may be in shape, but he's not in football shape because he hasn't been hit. Well, guess what? Most of your players today haven't been hit either because of the CBA. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, nobody gets hit into that first kickoff, right? I mean, this is this is what we've done. You know, the yeah. play the players union watered down training camp in the offseason to such a degree that it harms the overall product. But it is what it is. It's the world we live in. It's so true. everything is relative. The Giants will be ready for the Cowboys. I know they will be as ready as they can be, but it's it probably won't be a Mona Lisa. 
That's true, but we need at least a Lisa. It doesn't have to be a Mona Lisa. We just need a Lisa to show up. Well, look, Paul, thanks for hanging out with us. I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks at the stadium. Uh, me and Chris will pop by. Truth will be on the golf course somewhere down in Carolina as our as our resident golf pro. So, um, again, and actually Mark B says here, Paul is a, Paul is a gem. I'm going to put this on the screen to end the show. It says, uh, Paul's a gem, met him at camp a few weeks ago. Very gracious and generous with his time. A national treasure. It's very true. We're very, very nice. It's very nice compliment. And hey, and, and for Thank me. Thank you. Yeah. And, and listen, um, Mark B is always on with this. And, and Mark, you're right. Is it always a pleasure not only to hang out with you, talk to you, get the insight, but you've always been good to us. So we appreciate your time. Yeah. Um, and we're going to see you what in, uh, we're going to see you in two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, you know, I, I'm wondering now, you know, Craig, how many Jets fans are going to be at the stadium on Saturday? I mean, they're talking question. about Aaron Rodgers possibly getting some snaps. Yeah. You know, those season tickets get scouted around. Yeah. I, I wonder. I think it's going to be probably the biggest Giants-Jets exhibition crowd that we have seen in a long, long time. I but think I will tell you this. You're right. Chris, Chris is a season ticket holder like me, but I will tell you this, Paul, and you know this from – However many years you've been covering a team, it won't be the real fans. It's the tickets that get passed around. It'll be an right. ugly. It'll be an ugly game in the stands, and it will not be rep, a true representation of Jets and Giants fans. No, you're right, and and I think it's it's going to be a a very interesting dynamic. Um, I'm I'm very curious about not just the the game itself. But I am curious about what the atmosphere is going to be. Because, look, Craig, I went to the Yale Bowl to see the Giants and Jets play back in the day. Okay? So so this Giants-Jets preseason game used to be very, very meaningful. It was yep. – it was. I mean, Tarkenton would play four quarters in this game. You know, that's how important it was. Yeah. You know, and, and it's lost so much luster over the years. And now – well, maybe there's a little bit of shine back on the football coming up this Saturday. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just, Just a, little a little bit. bit. Well, well, thanks, Paul, for hanging out. I'm sure we will bump into each other, maybe squeeze you in during the season if you have some extra time. But um, always a pleasure to hang out with you. Chris, Truth, we'll see you guys next week. Next week, gentlemen, we have Clem from Barstool Sports on. And, uh, again, appreciate everybody hanging out, nygiantsrush.com. Fantasy football is up. Make sure you register now, and we'll see you guys next Monday. Thanks again, Paul.